brought to you by CGTN Europe. Hello, I'm Stephen Cole. Welcome to the Agenda podcast. For many, COVID-19 will change the way we look at work forever. This week on the Agenda podcast, we look at how the pandemic has changed where we work and also where we live. First on the podcast, I speak to Carlos Marino, professor at the Sorbonne and scientific advisor to the mayor of Paris. He's a driving force behind the concept of the 15-minute city, a city where you can live, work and play all within a 15-minute walk. The concept of 15-minute city, in a nutshell, the idea is to design or redesign the cities within the distance of 15 minutes in order to enable the uh, six essential urban functions for uh, living uh, in cities. To live, to work, to supply, uh, to education, to health, uh, and to enjoy. I think that uh, if we have the possibility to reduce the uh, time for the mass transportation or to uh, take individual car, we have the possibility to uh, have a useful time for living in cities in the better conditions. And Professor, you say this is a concept. Is it likely to stay a concept? Because there must be huge practical hurdles to get over to achieve that. Today, uh, the problem uh, in, in cities is a double problem. Uh, we live in uh, the era of the climate change. In consequence, we need to reduce the CO2 emissions. On the other hand, we live today uh, in the planet with the uh, pandemic uh, COVID-19 uh, crisis. And this is not possible today to continue to live uh, in the same uh, conditions for uh, uh, working, for uh, living, uh, for uh, commuting. We need to change if we wanted to preserve the uh, physical uh, distances. These uh, two factors, climate change and uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic crisis, uh, it's the big uh, threat and at the same time a big opportunity for change of the uh, paradigm. The 15-minute city, in fact, is the possibility to rediscover with the proximity another rhythm for living in cities, to change the pace of city and to use differently the different resources in the proximity infrastructures for uh, use more in the um, intensive uh, um, way the different uh, building and uh, different uh, physical uh, infrastructures and to uh, develop uh, the new uh, solidarity and uh, to take care of uh, elderly people and fragile people and kids. Now, you have given advice to Anne Hidalgo, mayor of yeah. Paris. Me? Was she receptive to the idea, the concept of a 15-minute city? Uh, and if so, yeah. what kind of time scale are we talking about? 
15 minute cities, uh, this is, it is a journey. Uh, we need uh, several years. In the case of the city of Paris, we have uh, six years for radically change the city of Paris in this way of proximity. Ecology, proximity, solidarity, participation, this is the roadmap for the 15-minute cities in the city of Paris for the next six years. So that's quite a short time scale, I would suggest, uh, to try and achieve all those elements. I would also yeah. suggest that perhaps you will be creating a more insular city. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that the basis of your, your, your thesis is that we should move around less to save transport, to save emissions. But mm -hmm. wouldn't that make people sort of move more insular and look inwards rather than outwards in a city? Yeah, this is a very good question because, in fact, uh, we need, um, it, it is necessary to uh, reduce the individual car. We need uh, to ban a diesel car of cities. We need uh, to uh, develop uh, uh, free car uh, cities. We need uh, to transform uh, cities, not for car, but uh, for uh, human, for uh, pedestrian. We need to reduce the traffic to increase bike lanes. We need to develop the new models uh, for uh, commuting, uh, of course, in Paris. The question is, in fact, uh, uh, how could we develop this concept in uh, the framework of the uh, big cities and, in particular, uh, metropolises? The, 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 the central point, uh, this is the polycentric city, multi-centric city. Uh, uh, we consider that uh, in the big metropolises, in the case in the uh, metropol uh, metropolises of Paris, we need uh, to develop uh, this uh, way for a, a massive decentralization of uh, cities. We need, in fact, uh, to uh, develop uh, in the 50 kilometers uh, around uh, this way for um, moving the jobs uh, close uh, to uh, people. Uh, before the um, pandemic crisis, many people uh, considered that it is not possible to work close uh, from home. Today, no with the new technologies in the pandemic crisis of COVID-19 era. We don't have a choice uh, that uh, to promote uh, digital uh, and remote right. jobs. This is possible today to develop this uh, polycentric metropolis in the different configurations. Well, that, that was my next question. You talk about the developed configurations or conurbations. Um, is this really aimed at the developing countries? Could uh, perhaps poorer cities, could they adopt this as well? Or would it be harder, especially when you have to consult so many stakeholders to create a successful 50 minutes? Yes, you're right. We need today um, to uh, transform the uh, social and economic model of cities because uh, we live today uh, in uh, cities, including in metropolises, with the same paradigm of the last uh, 
century. The uh, social and economic segmentation of cities, uh, this is a harder reality. Even if the metropolis is the uh, social and economical uh, segmentation, it's a real difficulty for mixing uh, people. This is one of the reasons for the existence of uh, very uh, important uh, distances and time for uh, commuting. In general, the average is one hour or more only for going from my home to my work. And this is not possible. In fact, uh, I think that for a long time, we have accepted the unacceptable, the social and economical segmentation. When we propose the new paradigm based on the polycentric cities, we wanted to mix the urban social functions. We wanted to mix uh, to live, to work, to supply, uh, uh, to uh, enjoy, to education. We, uh, we wanted to break uh, this uh, social and economical uh, segmentation. And it is possible, in fact, because uh, the model for working uh, is uh, today in the turning point. The pandemic has not only changed the way we live, it's also led many people to rethink where they live. Across Europe, and especially in the UK, out-of-town countryside homes are suddenly selling at a premium, as working from home means you no longer need to worry about how long it takes to commute to the office. We spoke to Anna White, the lead property writer for London's Evening Standard newspaper, and she told us why life outside the city could be the answer for millions post pandemic. When we first went into the lockdown, uh, experts were predicting sort of V-shaped recovery, so a short, sharp hit um, to the house prices as the market was shut down instantly. However, we've had three years of pent-up demand due to Brexit uncertainty. We now have a desperation for people to move house, try and get more space and bigger gardens. There's a contagion anxiety as people want to escape the city and get into the countryside. And all of this combined with emergency stamp duty that was brought in in July by the Chancellor has means we've had the opposite effect. We are now in a micro boom with a busier August than we've seen in years in the UK, um, with house prices rising, particularly for larger family homes. Do you see that continuing, that trend? No, I think it's really concerning. And I, and I think instead of a V-shaped recovery, we might end up with something more like an A-shape. Um, by the end of the furlough scheme this autumn, we will have run out of that finite pool of people who can afford to move, who feel financially secure at such a worrying time. There'll be more negative news flow on job losses and redundancies um, and the economic fallout from the coronavirus. So I think by that point, regardless of stamp duty, um, we will have a crash. What are the trends between cities and country in, say, France, Germany, Italy? The big difference between the UK and those kind of leading continental cities at the moment is that we haven't gone back to the offices in the same way. So in uh, Milan and Paris and Berlin, there were people who were much keener to get back earlier. Um, social distancing measures were put in place earlier. So you've got less of this commuter belt effect where people and much keener in the UK to stay at home and avoid the central business districts. And this obviously has an impact on the 
on the property market. So I would say the leading continental cities are more stable in their property market at the moment than the UK is. What's your prediction then for the centre of cities? I mean, I'm sure you uh, and I both have been to central London, for example, and seen, uh, well, that pulse go away and a lot quieter uh, in the city centres, especially in the city of London. The West End is returning a little bit. There's, there is some buzz. People are sitting outside the restaurants while the good weather lasts. Um, the city itself, the city of London, is much, much quieter, but there are businesses who have put in place measures for their employees to go back. They've been preparing for this all summer. Um, and so now, I think Michael Gove last week said people should stay at home if they can stay at home. Um, and, and actually, look, there are a lot of businesses ignoring this and trying to very slowly and gradually get their people back into the office. Um, it's going to take a really long time. Uh, policy is going to fluctuate. There's a great deal of uncertainty and people are worried. Um, I, you know, I expect City of London to be quiet for a long time still. So how will commercial property need to change for the new future? The flip side of all of this is that we could see a regeneration of the high street, um, an upgrade to more high streets. People are working from home, but they actually want to work in their locality. So they don't want to stay at the kitchen table all the time. They want to get out onto the high street. So, so they will you, leave, you think they will leave their homes and go back to offices? I think, I think we need a balance of both. I think some people will be going back to big offices but more likely we're going to have satellite offices on the high street smaller branches where people can work with other people and um, work with colleagues or even just work with people within their sector just to get out of their house well you say get out of their house how will what people want from their house change now when people hopefully recover from this pandemic so homes with gardens are now to premium um, it was, for example, in central London, where it was all about the big lateral apartment. No one really thought about outside space. Um, it was all about location, location, location. Now it is about who's got a garden. Should urban flats all have balconies, which can turn into winter balconies? So that means um, in the colder months, there's a sort of glass veil on it. So you can have it. Um, you can sit on your balcony all year round, effectively. Um People need flexible space, so a room that can be an office and it can be a homeschooling pod. It could be a guest room. It's just really important that every inch of the house is maximised now and everything has a purpose. So does that mean architecture and designs for architecture are, are going to change? I think so, yes. I mean, these flexi rooms are becoming more popular. The architects I've spoken to are trying to design in um, offices where you can, with clever joinery, you can close away your desk, you can close away the printer and all your paperwork at the end of the day, and then that can turn into a lovely dining room. And I'm seeing the reverse too, where they might build a purpose-built office, but then um, when you need it to, a bed comes out of the wall, a sink comes out of the wall, and it can be a guest room. So it's all about that flexible space. But architects are having to work really hard to think about how do I make this small house potentially or urban um, urban house work from kitchen out into garden that connection between nature and the outside and greenery and making sure people feel like they have enough space and that brings us to the end of another edition of the agenda you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes stitcher and spotify you can also find us on cgtn europe facebook twitter instagram and youtube
the most interesting questions. Are there other living beings beyond Earth? Will man or machine be in charge? Great question. Always have more than one answer. Well, hold on, uh, let me just draw up a list. And always come from more than one person. That's where the credibility lies. The concept of having a machinery which is alive and evolving didn't wait for us. The end of inequality of incomes and wealth around the world, can you imagine how difficult that is at the moment to achieve? Every episode, Stephen Cole, Murray Beveridge, and some of the brightest minds out there shed light on the answers to some of the most intriguing questions. There are two ways of looking at this. Machines can't really discriminate between civilian and military targets. The Answers Project. Maybe we need to just look at this in a bit more detail. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. The Answers Project, a new podcast from CGTN Europe.